you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with your boy Darnell and Joel Nicola. Today we got a special episode for you, one that we couldn't resist. <laughs> couldn't resist so much that we uh, basically lied to you on our last episode that uh, <laughs> we wouldn't be giving you anything until the end of April. Uh, but this episode was... Uh, Something we just really wanted to do and and time sensitive. So um, you can still expect season two to start at the the end of April. Uh, So Darnell, what'd you think of Black Panther? Uh, Well, besides all the hype that was behind it, I really tried my best to be a negative Nancy, uh, to really hate on it. Uh, And I I, I wanted to be like the first black guy to trash it. Well, that I know. Uh, But I was converted. I loved it. The movie was was excellent, and I'm not saying that because I'm black, but because it was really good. Uh, what'd you think? Um, I enjoyed it. I I didn't really know the character, so even when uh, Black Panther first showed up in the the Marvel series, at first I was thinking he was a villain. So why you got to be a villain? Because he was unknown on. to me. The, the villains are always unknown. Always black. It's hey, it's all right. Hey, check yourself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I it, when I went to see the movie, I I actually really enjoyed the the storytelling side of it because I didn't know the character. Like, mm-hmm. um, I felt the story was told uh, much different than most of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. uh, in such a way that I could appreciate both the movie and the character development so i kind of got a lot of context for who he is and i mean i love the action scenes and in general i thought it was good okay so that said um for this episode uh we'd definitely recommend you have seen the movie um partially because we're gonna assume um you're aware of the storyline and second we're probably going to have some spoilers. Um, so if you haven't watched the movie, some of what we say might go over your head and you might get mad at us. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons that I thought it was necessary for it to do an episode like this is that I noticed out on social media and in the blogosphere that the conversations were pretty surface and really missed the, to- the crucial talking points of the movie. So Joel and I are going to try our best to frame questions or frame the discussion by drawing out real world concepts from the fictional storyline stop, stop playing around darno wakanda's for real all right uh, <laughs> oh, play around uh, well actually <laughs> <laughs> okay so the episode is what if wakanda was real right or wakanda forever question mark all right so uh so again if you're if you're a homeschooler, if you're a teacher, uh, if you enjoy good debates, this episode's for you. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a good one. So the first thing we want to look at is the politics of Wakanda. 
So what we see in the movie is that it's a monarchy, or some would say a dictatorship. Now, uh, historically, the problem with uh, monarchies is that it doesn't put a suitable successor in place. So, like, for example, with Wakanda, uh, the political instability is shown when T'Challa gets beat up by Killmonger. That's it. Now you got a new king, right? So it's <laughs> pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I would agree that um, history has shown us um, bloodline as your transition to the new leader. Um, you have a lot of peaks and valleys. Good king, bad king. Good king, bad king. And scenarios like that. Um, I would agree that a dictatorship is a, probably a good classification of the politics. Um, because I envision a lot of restrictions on freedom. Like, so maybe there's a little bit of speculation in what I'm going to say, but, but I think I have good foundation for it. So um, I think your freedom to practice your own religion um, is, is not likely because you're essentially pledging allegiance to the Black Panther, which has like a very like, religious slash worship deifying deity concept yeah um and so how can you be part of wakanda but not worship their god or the king of their god or the god of their king well their king is their god right okay right so um consequently I, i you know in general I would assume there's probably some issues around use of property just based on the dictatorship. Like there are going to be some dictation as to what does, who go, who does what, where, and, and so on. Um, but then obviously free speech um, in, in regards to speaking out against Black Panther or again, practicing your religion. Um, so that's, that's the concern I would have about a, a place like Wakanda existing. Um, yeah, well, Ed, now take note for the uh, listeners. We did check uh, comic book historians, so we're gonna so we to get more context into the discussion. So sometimes you're like, okay, well, I don't remember parts of like the parts of that in the movie. Well, uh, we did our research and checked out some comic book historians to get a better idea. But also, we're gonna be uh, looking at like the leadership kind of interchanging between T'Challa and Killmonger. So, like for example you know freedom of religion under killmonger uh i found that he had like a kind of a pan-africanist uh ideals and essentially like somewhat pan-africanism is has socialist politics and that does not that cannot coexist with christianity so even for myself i'm sitting here i'm like well as a christian would i be able to be free to practice my religion and I, I, I doubt that because the two can't coexist. So, for example, the, difference are, the differences are uh, Christianity classifies humanity by ethnicity or nationality. Pan-Africanism, Pan-Africanism classifies by race. So you can check Genesis chapter 10, verse 5 to 11 to 8, and Acts 17, 26. If you check Daryl Harrison's podcast, Just Thinking, episode 16 uh, he does a very good job of exegeting these passages and showing 
that there is no such thing as race, but ethnicity. And ethnicity is what we should be going by. Now, another point is Christianity teaches that the history of man started in the Garden of Eden. Pan-Africanism believes that history of man started in Africa. You can check Genesis chapter 2 and 3. And then finally, Christianity teaches interracial brotherhood by faith supersedes brotherhood by race or genealogy, and Pan-Africanism doesn't. So you could check Mark chapter 3, verse 35. Now, economically, we're looking at the economics of it and its resource of vibranium. So what do you have to say on that? Um, I think for the listener or anyone who wants to think about the economics of this place um, of Wakanda has to recognize this. We're looking at like a unicorn of a resource, meaning in today's world, you're, you're not going to find this type of scenario where one place has this unicorn of a, of a resource that nobody else has, nobody else understands. And that, that gives them, you know, prosperity that that nobody else can compete with to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, but we can look at what they do with that to to be critical or to just analyze the good or the bad about their economic structure. Yeah, because the, the comic book historians were saying that it, you know, vibranium also gives, a, well, can heal your body, and that Wakanda. Uh, has the cure for cancer, right? So they have the cure for cancer. They got free education, uh, free health care. Uh, so this is an amazing resource that's helping them advance beyond any other nation. So the question I would ask is, as powerful and as helpful as vibranium is, should Wakanda use it to bring about a utopia? Um, I would ask how. Right. I think how they would bring up, I mean, utopia is a funky word anyways, because it's idealistic and essentially not actually achievable. Um, But what I'm presuming you mean is, should they use vibranium to bring about greater prosperity? Um, And I, my question goes back to how, because some methods, I would argue, are immoral, right? They have this superior, um, essentially, military force with this technology. And so if they're doing everything by force to you know, spread their land, then uh, we could argue it's immoral. But if they're doing everything through voluntary exchange and helping other communities grow, um, that's where I start to say, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it does make sense and, and maybe it is moral. Okay. Okay. Because, like, that's the thing. When asking, should Wakanda use vibranium to bring about a utopia, this is actually an argument for colonization. So, okay. So, let's, you define colonization. Um, I mean, I looked it up in the dictionary. Okay. So- pretty much like the root word being colony it's like to develop or to settle on land and develop a colony which sounds very i'll say amoral like there's mm-hmm. there's no immorality in in that in and of itself again going back to well how 
did they acquire the land to mm-hmm. develop a colony? Right. Okay. Because in the movie, we see that T'Challa is not about that life in regards to colonizing. And I'm really interested to see what role Wakanda plays in the United Nations at the end of the movie uh, in regards to what asset they can give the world. Because remember the guy asks you know, T'Challa, what, the, what can a third world country offer the world? And he kind of smiles at the hand. Mm-hmm. So maybe... Uh, if you only knew. Yeah, well, 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 well maybe, because we don't know, but maybe in Infinity War, uh, we might get the answer to that. Right, so that'd be pretty interesting. But I think that under, you know, looking at Killmonger and man, this guy's a trip. <laughs> and, um, and 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 it's funny he's he's become a phenomenon now uh, on social media. Whereas a lot of people, he really resonated with a lot of people. And I'm sure there were some black people in the theater, you know, with their fists in the air, ha- hyped about uh, the. <laughs> the concepts that uh, Killmonger was introducing. And it's funny because I checked out uh, his fan page on uh, Facebook and I was just like, okay, let me do some research for the show and check out this page. And it turns out, man, this guy has like more women followers than men followers. And I was just like, what the heck is going on, man? We have to start calling him LL Coolmonger. This guy's just, I don't know, man. I had the ladies out here thirsty in the mug. It's crazy. I'm telling you, man, Killmonger's killing the ladies. Man, this brother. But, you know, when you really look at him in the movie, when he was king, he did try to send out vibranium weapons to the oppressed black people around the globe. Uh, He wanted a revolution by force. So those blacks who would have overthrown their oppressors uh, would represent Wakanda as a colony, hence the term colonizer. Now, now people are probably like, oh, yo, what, what do you mean? You can't, only white people can colonize, right? Well, but, go back but, to my definition. Well, well, well no, but th- this is pretty interesting because so I'm making an argument that Killmonger is a colonizer. So, so follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip, all right? So he says, he says this in the movie, which supports my point. He says, uh, when he's sending out the weapons, he says, and the sun will not set on the Wakanda Empire, which is, which is a saying from the British Empire when they were trying to colonize the world. So the context for why the British Empire would use that phrase is that uh, when they colonized Canada and Australia, when the sun went down, when the sun goes down in Australia, it comes up in Canada, which is representative of the British Empire. When the sun goes down in Canada, it rises in Australia, which is a representative of the British Empire. Do, is that a coincidence that he would quote the same quote that the British Empire used when they were colonizing the world? It sounds pretty intentional. Right. Like he's trying to draw a parallel with right. what his goals are. Right. Now, now mind you, I, I, I totally understand Killmonger's want to better the situation for black people, even for him to want to unite Africa. But even as it stands today, African nations, no matter how poor, are not willing to give up autonomy to Wakanda. That's just not how uh, the nations are set up now. Even like within intertrade within Africa is less than 40%, which means that the nation isn't on the same page to say that 
even if you were to do it by force, you still wouldn't be able to unite that Pan-Africanist idea of one united nation in Africa. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting there. Uh, now, the next point that, as I'm, we're looking at ideologies, I think Black Panther did an excellent job in contrasting two prominent Black um, perspectives on how Black people view themselves. So you have T'Challa's status perspective versus Killmonger's Pan-Africanist perspective. So uh, I've been using these terms, but let me define it real quick. So Pan-Africanism is an ideology that supports the solidarity of Africans worldwide for socioeconomic progress. This includes the diaspora. The diaspora are the black people that, or the Africans that live outside of Africa. So those like in North America and around the world in the Caribbean. Now, it is a self-reliant movement of African people solving their own problems. Now, the status perspective is that people are defined by their nation, their state, or tribe. It's a, prim a primary obligation is to protect itself and provide for its citizens. So the question I want to ask is this, which ideology is most helpful for black people based on, based on following the theme of the movie? Um, I think that question that, I mean, realistically, the movie kind of plays that out for us as like, here's your alternatives. Um, I would argue it's a false dilemma because I think you're setting up an or equation or an or scenario. Um, but there are other alternatives, and the simplest one being taking what you might deem good from either ideology mm -hmm. or something that's, you know, as we talk about, we like the principles that these ideologies are built on. Let's take that out and, and like, you know, the killmonger scenario, like we don't consider colonization by force to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So some of maybe his views are good. What he's trying to achieve, we would say, is good, but the method we could disagree with. So that's why I'm saying I think it's a false dilemma because it puts you in two camps that that are too precise and doesn't leave room for for disagreement. Um, I think the biggest problem with with both of them is that you're requiring everyone to act as a collective, uh, and that somehow economic progress is linked to the government's actions like fundamentally that's a part of these two setups oh you mean like in regards to because like if you look at black people as a critical mass it's different in africa than it is in north america mm -hmm. and what i mean by critical mass i mean population in regards to density so let me make sure that i'm not straw manning you yeah, yeah. <laughs> so because of the lack of critical mass in North America, black people will have to leverage help from somewhere else because there's just not enough of us. And you're saying that help would be the I mean, even in, like, yes, to your point, in, but I would say um, I'm using government in a little bit more generic term too. Mm -hmm. Like, Pan-Africanism, if they were all under something, someone like Killmonger, um, his reign could be deemed the government. Right. And so it's about what this government does is going to indicate whether or not we have progress or not. Mm -hmm. um, and I, why I'm taking, you know, issue and why I'm saying like, 
I mean, I'm getting to the idea that there's social justice embedded into both of those things. Um, and in our conversation on social justice, we, using the um, O.J. Simpson trial, came to the conclusion that you can't really have justice uh, on a social level. Um, the reason being, when you look at justice, and again, you know, go back to that episode, check it out. We, we hash this out a little bit more in detail than what I'm going to do right now. But so justice is about looking at the individual context, determining what is right and wrong for the individual parties involved. When community as a whole now gets a role, um, there's potential for a conflict between what's just for the individuals and a people group. So consequently, you can have scenarios where social justice is achieved at the cost of injustice for the individuals involved. Again, OJ, he, his innocence was deemed socially justice, but for the victim's family, you could argue injustice was served. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think in order to look at you know, what's the best ideology, um, or, or the principle, uh, I'll go back to something I quoted before, which was Frederick Bastiat's quote, uh, the role of the law is to prevent injustice from, ha from reigning. And so if one of these ideologies contradicts that, we need to look at it really closely. Okay. I would say that I would disagree uh, with certain parts of the pan-Africanist perspective. So I'm for black people helping black people. Oh, no, I'm for that, but there's other parts that I disagree with. Uh, the statist, uh, there's parts that I agree with, parts that I don't. But I would simply say this. Uh, for me, as a black man, my identity is found in the Imago Dei, which is the image of God. That's where I find my worth. My allegiance is not to a people or a state, or, but my allegiance is to my God and my King, Jesus Christ. So in the same way he allows me um, to be burdened for my people, just as Apostle Paul and Moses were burdened for their people. And I think this is a better, per, better approach because Christianity deals with the person, the individual, uh, with their heart, sin, forgiveness, restoration. And even a lot of times of the problems that we see in the black community, um, you know, still come back down to the individual, the family. Now, on a grand scale, you're like, okay, well, you know, like, what about on, on, a, on a bigger scale? Well, we have the cultural mandate uh, found in uh, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse, uh, or sorry, chapter 1, verse 28, in regards to God gives us a command to help people, but to take creation, cultivate it for the benefit of others so even as a black man like it's not a contradiction for me to love jesus and love black people like it's not a contradiction in that i am charged with with the responsibility to care for people and i'm allowed to be burdened for my own people just as moses was as well so again starting with the individual healing the heart of the individual so that they would be able to go out into the world and be helpful to other people so that, that's where I was kind of coming from with an alt, alternative perspective to that. Now, we're looking at 
Wakanda or the ethno state. And I'll define that real quick. So what I mean by that is a nation that is defined by a shared heritage, which usually includes a common language, a common faith, and a common ethnic ancestry. So T'Challa was Wakandian born, but Killmonger is of African descent. So my question is this, is it immoral? Is the ethno state immoral? I think um, so my similar statement to you would be what I said before in, in how, how is it achieved? Um, and a really, I think an easy example for people in the GTA to, to comprehend would be looking at the fact that we have places we call Little Italy or Chinatown, which you might deem as like a microcosm of ethnostate. And the morality question comes into how is this state, ethnostate set up? Right. Um, I think the, the best way to look at it is through property rights. Um, and how did you carve out this land? Did you just naturally, through voluntary exchange, create a group of people who all wanted to live in the same place? And, and consequently, now it, we deem it little Italy. Um, or did you use force to mm -hmm. obtain the property? Right. Did the government determine oh we want to stick a bunch of people here and call it something uh, and we're gonna not compensate people via a voluntary exchange right you can go ahead buy it if they're willing to sell it to you then that's the the difference if they're not willing to sell it to you and you're going to expropriate their land now i have questions around the morality of it um another simple thing would be the people in the community, are you infringing on the property rights of somebody who's Irish in Little Italy because they don't fall under your paradigm of what you want this community to be? How did they get there? They bought that land justly. They bought it through voluntary exchange. So now are you going to harass them and restrict their ability to use their own property? And, you know, looking at Wakanda, it's a little bit hard because we're talking about this like fictional unrealistic scenario where like you exist in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and it's hidden um but i think you could apply those principles around property rights around the freedom to use your property as you deem fit without infringing on other people uh, to start to be critical and kind of go oh, i could see where wakanda might have some problems in in establishing a growing ethno state let's call it that okay well i have a different perspective or not for another approach and i'm looking at it from a grander scale in terms of countries and how the ethnicity relates to the other ethnicity so for example with wakanda it has the right to be one an ethno state because of the vibranium and the code behind the citizen's lips. Uh, I think it all depends on how you relate to your to other ethnicities. If you see it, if you see one as inferior, then I think there's a problem. 
so we see examples of this throughout history like for example uh from 19 in 1915 armenia 1933 holocaust 1975 cambodia in 1990 rwanda 1995 bosnia 2003 darfur and what we see with these examples is that it happens to everybody. It can happen to anybody. It's not just black or it's not just white and that they're frequent. And that it's like, for example, with Cambodia and the Khmer Rouge, right? And the, you know, it's a good movie also, just as I thought about it. Uh, the Killing Fields was very interesting. Uh, of course, the Holocaust with the Jews and, and the Germans seeing them as, as less than human, as inferior. Uh, Ho, uh, uh, Rwanda, nineteen ninety five. The the Hutu, the Hutus, and the. Um, sorry, I'm getting the name. Uh, and the Tutsis, yeah. Um, and, and and the war between those two. So it's it's pretty interesting when you look at it, and it's also concerning when you really look at it that, yes. An ethical state, you have a right to do it, but you should you should still be cautious of what history has shown us that, you know, worst case scenario, it can be genocide, or genocide can occur, right? So, yeah. Now, finally, just to recap, the the four questions that we went over were, or the three questions were, as powerful as Sorry, as powerful and as helpful as Vibranium is, should Wakanda use it to bring about Utopia? Question two. The movie Black Panther did a great job in contrasting two prominent black perspectives on how black people view themselves. Uh, T'Challa the statist versus Killmonger's Pan-Africanist. Uh, which ideology is most helpful to black people? And the third question. Is Wakanda an eth as an ethnostate immoral? And then the last question. For you, the audience, would you like to live in Wakanda? But you heard me? Does I that make sense? I hear you.